0: This is the Blind Entrepreneur Podcast, helping millennials execute their vision.
1: Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of the Blind Entrepreneur. I'm your host, Jonathan Grzbowski, and we are on episode 53 of the Blind Entrepreneur. Today, I have with me Dave Kittle. He's 29 years of age. He is the founder and CEO of Vinitial, which is a secure HIPAA-compliant Texting app for patients and providers without exchanging cell phone numbers. Dave, how's your day going, my friend?
0: Jonathan, it's going great. It's nice and sunny. It's like ninety-three degrees here in Brooklyn. Uh, all is well. Feeling great. Happy it is to be.
1: Too damn hot out. It's <laughs> kind of annoying at this point, but it is what it is, right?
0: Well, you know, you and I are both on both on the East Coast, so we're either complaining that it's too hot and muggy or humid, or we're complaining that there's too much cold weather or snow on the ground. So got to go with whatever's here.
1: Exactly, exactly. I agree. Well, thank you again for being on. And we're going to start off just like we do every single time with an icebreaker. So imagine that you just had the worst day of your life. Your head is in the sand, you're down in the dumps, and you're trying to make the day better. So what is that one piece of food that's going to lift your spirits higher?
0: Well, first of all, thanks for having me. I'm, I'm pumped to be here. So thank you for having me. One piece of food man um straight peanut butter damn all right right out right out of the bottle but don't tell my wife (laughs)
1: because you're just like forking it or spooning it out exactly so like what type of peanut butter i mean we got it we have different kinds here we have super creamy we have chunky we have super chunky uh
0: well recently it's been the uh it's like all natural smuckers it's a glass jar um and it's either that or there's like this stuff called PB Fit. It's like powdered peanut butter, and you just put it in a bowl and mix it up with some cold water. Yeah. And I even I like that because it's kind of it's like liquidy. It's almost like ice cream. So
1: mm, okay. if so, you like
0: peanut butter, that's you got to try it.
1: I mean, anybody who's gonna go in on straight up peanut butter, you gotta love peanut butter. So. Yeah, <laughs> my I wife think, makes fun of me all the time. I don't think I'm that uh, courageous as you are. I mean, like maybe. I'll put peanut butter on top of something, but you're just going straight peanut butter.
0: Yeah, and I had no idea that question was coming, so that's you got the real answer right there. There you
1: go, <laughs> good stuff. Well, the first real question is, tell us about yourself, who are you, and what is your story?
0: Sure, so I'm Dave Kittle, I'm from South Jersey, which in New Jersey we say South Jersey, we don't say New Jersey. So it's the southern part of the state of New Jersey. Uh, I'm a physical therapist, graduated in 2011 with my Doctor of Physical Therapy degree. And I was working outpatient orthopedics. So if someone has back pain or neck pain, uh, maybe a sports injury, they got in a car accident, um, weekend warrior type pain, it's kind of like general population uh, slash orthopedics and sports medicine. Um, But I've always been entrepreneurial. I come from a small – Maple Shade is a small town where it's mostly blue collar. So my dad owns and operates a small tree service himself. And then my mom owns her own direct mail and marketing business. So I'm kind of half white collar, half blue collar. And my first job when I was about 11 or 12 years old making cash under the table was working for my dad's tree service. So I, I just posted something about this recently that that really taught me to like, physically work hard. Like I've never had much given to me. Uh, I, I mean, I've been lucky to go to some private schools and, and, and go to some, some nice schools in Maple Shade. And... And then came to Catholic for high school and then University of Sciences for college. But um, it really taught me, you know, kind of like grittiness and and kind of, you know, working with what you have at the time. But I swore to myself that I would never do manual labor growing up. So I already had the mindset of looking at my parents. They're kind of like really grinding it out with a one person business where you have to do everything. Uh, and it, not always having enough either ability or trust or, or the situation that's optimal enough to bring on other people to have a business that scales. Um, so when I was in physical therapy school, I wanted to open up a practice, a retail location basically, and then try to have more and more locations you know, roll out over the course of the next several years and decades across the country. Um, but I was interested more in technology, and it just made more sense when there was there's more issues with opening up a practice versus technology, where there's so many, as you know, less barriers. There's just so many more opportunities to reach people in an, in a different way and potentially a, a faster way. Um, so technology, as you and I grew up around it, and it kind of accelerated as we grew, it just made more sense for me to, to go that route because it was already you know in my my culture in my my lifestyle.
1: So I'm curious, you know. When was that moment where you felt as if that this, there was a need for this particular, well, actually, let's backtrack. Sure. What is Venetial? Let's talk about that.
0: Sure. So Vinitial is, a, as you said, it's a secure HIPAA compliant text application on iOS and Android for patient provider texting without exchanging cell phone numbers. And so the reason why that's appealing is, first of all, the end user, the patient, which would be you, for example, if you had some issue you understand that communication is great. And most likely, maybe not, but most likely, your preferred way of communication would be either email or text. But as you know, email is longer form and it just takes too long and it takes too long to check. But the texts are very quick and easy and fast. So as the end user, the patient, it just, it makes sense and it's free for for you. And then for the staff member or the, the healthcare provider, many healthcare providers, as I've had to talk to hundreds and hundreds and you know, probably a couple thousand by now. Most don't want to give out their cell phone numbers. Some do, and that's cool. They're not my customer at the time. But many don't, including my wife, who's a female physical therapist, who, if you were her patient, she would want to maybe communicate with you and say, you know, we have this thing to use. It's a free service if you wanna if you wanna text any questions, if you have any change of symptoms, maybe if you're running late or if you want to come in early, or any question around your plan of care, around your your situation, your pain around your plan of care, then you could use it. But healthcare providers don't want to give out their cell phone numbers. So there's a couple other use cases why it just makes sense. Like we've come across some owners here in in Manhattan and in New York City that because of the city being so dense that they don't want their staff members, their employees, their physical therapists, to give out their cell phone numbers to patients because they're fearful that if I were to leave their practice and go, work a block away or a mile away in Manhattan, that I still have a ton of contacts and relationships in my phone versus if they were using Venetial and I left the practice, they would just delete my account just like they delete my my corporate email, the, the Microsoft Exchange email, and I no longer have access to that either. Mm-hmm. So there's a couple of those situations. There's you know, the three different pieces at the table. So it's the patient, the end user, there's the staff member who also uses it for free to communicate, and then there's the owner or the decision maker who we have to and I seek out to go get in front of and talk to, and they're the ones that would be paying monthly or yearly for it.
1: Okay, so you created this app. There had to have been uh, well at this point, a business. It's not just an app, um, but you, you have this business. You are a physical therapist. Your wife is a physical therapist. What? When was that moment where you're like, you know, we're we're onto something here? You know, this this when did this uh, idea become an actual business?
0: It was early 2014, um, the winter between 2013 and 2014, and I had already spent about a year, year plus, with a actual well, a previous patient in New Jersey. He and I created something else that was called Uposture.com, and it's it's actually still up. It looks horrendous, mm-hmm. the, the letter Uposture.com. So if you go check out that and look at it, you can really see like how things obviously don't have to be perfect. You kind of just have to go and do and take action. Um, so that was actually for our sedentary patients to have a an exercise or a movement or a stretch, like if they're an office worker, sedentary patient. And it we used the Twilio API and Sendgrid for email so patients would get an a random alert via text message or email, whatever they wanted, of a little picture or a little vignette of a stretch or an exercise, get up, walk, go get some water, take a break, whatever. And we put a PayPal button up and no one paid for it. No one bought it. So it was a really good experience at the time. And then that same buddy, um, he he was my patient at the time, then we became friends, and he helped build that first thing. So it wasn't until that first thing over, that was like 2012 into 2013, that then resulted in, all right, well, that's not something that can really make money. It's really kind of like a little nice to have, but it's not something that's like you couldn't, you couldn't really build a company around it. So that kind of led to a foundation of thinking outside of the box of where else are the pain points in healthcare or even specifically where did they op- what are the pain points in outpatient physical therapy or in the world that I really know and so it was like oh well we all like to communicate there was like an explosion of apps there was an explosion of of messaging and everyone having iPhones and 60 70 year old patients in the in the office patients that had iPhones and they're either on candy crush or on facebook and i'm like I know I could make something more simple than that, and and that's more complex, like log in, find people, use it, engage with it. I know I can make something more simple than that to communicate that's better, faster than email. One-on-one phone calls are great in healthcare, and sometimes they're needed. Trust me, they're definitely needed. It's not going to take away a phone call to your doctor or your physical therapist. But the rapport, I knew that the rapport and the relationship that you could build through Texting without exchanging the cell phone number, so that you're avoiding the weird phone calls and voicemails and other stories that I heard. To get that relationship, even if it's a quick little check-in, like, oh hey, I just went in, I saw my doctor, and this is what he said, or oh hey, I tried to, I tried to go run a mile, like you said, and after the first three blocks, this is how I felt. Just these little check-ins, even if it's like a second or 10 seconds, it just takes. It's so quick. But then the end user, the patient, not only will they never go anywhere else uh, ever again in their life you'll probably be their healthcare provider for life they're going to tell more of their friends and family and they're going to come to all of their visits so healthcare especially out uh, physical therapy they bill on the visits like a certain amount of units in a visit but if you are sick or if you get in you're in traffic or you don't come to the visit or you just cancel because you don't want to come or you no show because you forgot or you don't want to come it's not important to you they lose money it would be like walking into an apple store think you're like you're going to buy a mac and you walk in and then you walk out and you're like oh, I'm going to buy it online it's like they lost that sale they they lost that money that was on the schedule mm-hmm. so there's a there's an ROI that might not always be obvious but that's what we have to try to convey to our customers
1: no it's great no it's so so what i'm what i'm curious about and i'm sure a lot of the viewers uh, and people listening right now are curious about as well is you have this this complex idea that requires a ton of security and requires a lot of just uh, interaction. You know, it's all about the, the customer experience. So what has been some of the struggles early on in the creation of Initial?
0: Well, you I mean, you hit on it. So one is security, and, and maybe even one larger than that is actually a technical co-founder, which thankfully I had a friend of a friend uh, or a, a friend of mine, Connect, myself and his uh, one of his friends who he and I are now working on this together. Two years ago when I started this, I outsourced it to a design development firm in the U.S. So rather than putting money towards my student loans, rather than going on cruises or whatever or just storing money away for my retirement or whatever you want to call it. I. Was like screw it, like I I know I want to do this stuff. I've always been entrepreneur. I've had other little things ar- along my life, and and I have my parents who are great examples. That I'm looking at them, like no offense, mom and dad, but like I'm looking at them, like if they can do it, mm-hmm. anyone anyone can do it. So like, what's the worst that can happen? So I, I spent a lot of money on that, a lot of time, you know, wrote out a lot of mock-ups and wireframes, and but those, those two points you mentioned. So security is obviously really really important. So HIPAA compliance is is really like pretty stringent and you have to follow a lot of guidelines. You have to really know a lot and um, and kind of learn along the way. But then also having or not having a technical co-founder has been my number one issue. So like over the past year, year and a half, if there's an issue with the app and I have my paying customers message me or call me or whatever, if there's an issue or there's a bug, something's not showing up, what some issue, mm-hmm. I can't sleep at night because I can't, I, I, I don't program, I've done some free easy little tutorials online, but really I'm not a programmer, I don't, I don't do code, I, I don't understand it, but I, can, I know what software can do and that's, that's kind of why I started it. Mm-hmm. And it, I, I really want to say it's almost not advisable to start something like this <laughs> unless you have a friend like, that's going to be invested to do this with you, to be the, the technical side because it is really, really tough. So those are the two biggest things that I, but then again, I wouldn't be this far if I waited for finding a technical co-founder. So I don't know. It's like, you know, you just got to go with what you have at the time.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm even more curious. What, what do you, would you say has been your biggest failure? Has it, has your biggest failure within the, the company thus far, has it been not having a technical co-founder or was it something even more serious?
0: Um, the biggest, the biggest failure is selling a product that's really an MVP, a minimal viable product. When I kind of pitch it, cause I can I can sell anything, dude. Like I, thankfully that's that's what I was born with. Like I I, used, I worked for LA Fitness, I sold memberships, I I crushed it one summer working there in Cherry Hill. Um, and I've always done things where I was making mixtapes in high school for, um, making taking Napster music, which was free, and making mix CDs for people in high school, charging five or ten dollars for. For cds and the music was not even mine obviously so it was like all profit other than paying a couple bucks for the the actual cases and cds so like i've always been a hustler like that but i mean those those are those are the things like it, it just you you have to just go with with what you have at the time and and know your strengths and and eventually hopefully you can find others to make up for the weaknesses
1: you're currently in which is probably one of the biggest startup tech capitals in the world next to Silicon Valley, San Francisco area, Bay Area. Yeah. How difficult is it to have an idea, have an app, and be in such a large city?
0: Oh, uh, man. Well, I'm lucky that my, my wife now at the time is from here, and, and it actually brought me here to, you know, once, once we got engaged and, and it was kind of like, all right, we're going to settle here. I I other like you said other than Silicon Valley San Francisco like this is the number 2 place to be the number 2 tech ecosystem in the world so I am very grateful I love it I I think I need to be here like like I I'm from South Jersey I went to school in Philly I know what Philly's like and and thankfully I'm I'm here but it it's like I know it's tough because in terms of up here everything is more expensive like whether it's rent or just the ability to get around, or it's just a completely different lifestyle, but the grind, the speed of everything, the amount of people, the cultural diversity, all the different languages. You walk down one block, you can hear three different languages, four different languages spoken. I just, I love the the grind and the hustle and the speed of things here, so for me, it's it's really I think maybe trying to or helping me raise my game and elevate my game because there's been so many other successes here. Like I've been walking by places and it's like oh well this used to be the building for you know Yahoo or you know this street has you know Foursquare and this block is Zocdoc which is also a billion dollar company or whatever. So it just the grind and the speed here is is really alluring, but it also you know, makes me want to aspire for that, and that's like that's what I want to do eventually. Like, oh, that's what I want to reach to. So it's it's like an, a challenge in a way versus being like comfortable where I used to live um, after school in New Jersey.
1: Well, any tips that have worked for you in living in in a city? Um, you mentioned having like your wife actually being a part of the somewhat of the ecosystem of what New York is but well, I mean, and, and the fact that you can sell pretty much anything has there any has there been one thing that that has worked really well to kind of navigate and weave throughout New York City to get your product in front of people essentially
0: well, I would say not not so much not so much product because I can I can just go on I can just go on LinkedIn and find any practice owner across the country anywhere, or I can just um, cold call them, or I could show up at their office like I like I've done before, like just or I'll drop stuff off at someone's office, like if I was in New Jersey and driving around or or something like that. But in terms of getting in the ecosystem and, and kind of getting getting yourself in front of more people meeting more people the biggest thing that's helped me is actually things like meetup.com and going to events I'm sure you're doing the same thing so when over the past couple of years going to different events in the city what, what's amazing here is that compared to when I used to live in after I lived in South Jersey I was living in Robbinsville New Jersey so like the middle of the state in New Jersey and other than the Princeton Tech meetup there were like no real technical meetups anywhere and I'd have to drive 30 minutes or whatever to go and park and, and meet some people. Here, there's something always going on every single night, every single day. And a couple years ago, I went to a tech event where this, <clears throat> this guy pitched and presented, right? And, and he kind of got hammered by the judges. This guy, Juan Gonzalez, and he's got a startup called Insight Medi. He's, he's a, one of my best friends right now. It's amazing. So, but then when I met him, we didn't talk for a year or so. And then we connected last year. My wife and I got married. Our honeymoon was in Spain. On our honeymoon, my wife was cool enough to let us meet up. So we met up with this guy, Juan. And then Juan, a couple months ago, introduced me to this guy, Christian, who is now my CTO. Mm,
1: That's awesome.
0: And Christian lives in Switzerland. And we're collaborating over Skype and over email. And we're trying to get the next app version out the door for Vinitial. And it goes back to just getting off your butt and going to events and meeting people. And it always, you'll always meet someone at any random event. Even when it's like, oh, I don't feel like going, like who cares about this, whatever they're talking about, whatever this panel is or this stupid presentation, whatever. Like the biggest thing is like you turn and you meet someone that's that's doing something interesting and maybe you might, you know, work together 10 years from then, you know, in the future. You never know.
1: Yeah, that's a, that's a great, great. Great point, and thank you for that story. Um, you know, now that we have a good understanding of who you are as a business professional, I'd like to get a little bit uh, get to know you a little bit more personally. Sure. So what are some ways or some habits that have helped you become more efficient throughout your day?
0: Man, I don't I don't do this well enough. But the big thing is, believe it or not, like sometimes I'll write it on a piece of paper. Sometimes I'll write it in my phone, like under the notes section of my iPhone. But sometimes it's good to have an actual pen and paper of a to-do list like the next day, because then you can cross it off manually. It just feels so great, even if it's like, I don't know, it's something stupid, like not check email, but it, like, like for today, it could have been, I had some other things earlier, and then this podcast interview. So then, you know, s- you know, crossing that off meaning it, it's some small milestones, and it, it's, it's some forward progression that's leading to a bigger thing, like it's leading to the, the bigger movement, which is like I did a couple things today and it's leading towards what, like whatever that might be. But the night before, if you don't have an idea of what you're doing tomorrow, you you wake up and if you're not really well organized, if you don't have already something laid out, like you and I, we have to make our own schedule, right? So if you wake up, it's really easy to kind of just drift through that day and the, the, the day goes by like that and then what like what did you accomplish what did you really do so i really try and i like i said i don't do it well enough so so hopefully you and some others can keep me accountable or hold me accountable to that but writing out maybe at least 3 things and maybe it's maybe it's 5 things 5 or 10 but and i really need to work on this which is uh, attacking the most important thing first Everyone thinks I got to, you know, attack the easier things, get some easier things done and that results in more momentum and I, and I can get to the bigger thing. What happens is if you don't, uh, you don't reach the big thing because you're so worried about doing these little things like, oh, I got to run to the post office. Oh, I got to, I got to check email. Oh, I got to, I got to make sure I get my peanut butter and then I got to whatever. And then, and then I got to check my phone or whatever. So, and then you don't get to the big thing, which is like, whatever, like, cold calls or you know partnerships or i have to i really should go and meet jonathan in person whatever that might be whatever the bigger thing is like that should be first to to really attack the most important thing because guess what if you get to the things that are lower on the list that are of priority if you don't get to them guess what they're low priority so do them the next day the, mm-hmm. the following day
1: mm-hmm. I, I agree and how are you are you besides writing it out um, cause you said that that's, that's good for you. Are there any forms of technology that you're using in order to just like help you become more organized or just resources in general that you use that you just can't live without?
0: Um, no, I mean, I've been writing it on my, literally my notes tab of either in my Mac or on my iPhone. Um, so I don't use Evernote. Um, I obviously have Google calendar for like certain things like today, like this podcast, this recording was on my calendar. So I made sure it was, it was above like the time that we had to talk. So I made sure I had some time to prep and I, like I was coming off the subway. I had to check my Wi-Fi Fi and, and check everything and, and all that. So, um, but no, I don't use any tools. Like, I don't know. Do you use any tools like that?
1: I, I, I use notes. I use reminders. I use Calendly, um, you know, to kind of write things down. That's kind of what I use. Um, but I was kind of, and Google Calendar is like probably the you know the, the most important thing I I have on my desktop. Yeah. But um, like what I'm curious about is more so you know maybe not just the note-taking stuff, but more so just the day-to-day uh, like work regimen. Are there any forms of technology that you're using?
0: No, the, there's no form of technology, but there's a, a technique that I heard of like on some podcast. I think it was Andrew Warner's Mixergy podcast, and it goes back. It's called the Pomodoro Technique. It goes back to like Charles Schwab. So he hi, he hired someone to work on productivity. I forget who this person even was, but it it's in um, – I think I can find some link for you, and, and we can put it in the show notes if you wanted to. But the, the, basically, the Pomodoro technique is you take any random timer, like it could be the timer in your iPhone or an external timer if you're not touching your phone for that given time. The timer for, is set for 25 minutes. So you do whatever you're doing. You're grinding in front of your computer. You're making cold calls, whatever it is, for 25 minutes. Then when that goes off, you take a five-minute break, something random, like you just walk around or you don't look at your phone. You, you shouldn't look at your computer, your phone, whatever. Whatever it might be, like for me, peanut butter, whatever, whatever, whatever that break is, right? And then you set the timer again for 25 minutes. So it, it's, it's something that is interesting and different. And I don't know if it works for everyone, but for the the guy that helped Charles Schwab with his productivity, it 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 was some crazy percentage of like in, increased output or feeling better or getting more done. So the the guy who consulted and helped Charles Schwab with that, and made a lot of money based off of some, you know, percentage of his improvement or something. So I've been working on that and, and trying to use that as much as possible.
1: Interesting. I've heard that technique a lot. Uh, you're not the only person that uses that technique on the podcast. And it's something that I'm curious about. Haven't dived uh, too deep into it. Um, but maybe you give me the inspiration to kind of look at it again. My, my last main question is the blind entrepreneur was created to help entrepreneurs that may be in a place they don't know where to go, they don't know how to move forward, um, you know, they, they may be an entrepreneur, they have this idea, maybe even initial a couple of years ago, and they just don't know how to move forward. What are three pieces of advice that you would give to another millennial who is in that current space?
0: Uh, one is you have to surround yourself with people that can give you honest, real feedback. So. And I'll be one. So you can email me, Dave at Vinitial.com. And if you – just just cold email me or whatever. We can set up something if I have some time. And you have, to, you have to get yourself going but you also have to get yourself surrounded by people that are better than you. So you're the average of the five people that you're around the most. That's it. everyone that you call, every, your parents, your wife, your, your husband, your friends, whoever that might be. So if you're trying to raise your game, if you're trying to work on building a company or if you're trying to work on media sales, whatever, like you need – then you need, to get in, you need to get in front of those people. You need to talk to those people. You need to go to events. You need to pick their brain. You need to hear what got them there, right? And so that's why I – and I'm sure like you and your your audience, that's why we all consume a lot of podcasts because we can hear these people from around the country, around the world without necessarily – talking to them personally but i really think it's super important to go out there cold message people use every social channel as possible you have to maybe try to show them some value like oh you know i don't know i can help make this connection or whatever like you and i started by by having a shared connection and so it's it's things like that where you can maybe bring something to the table where it's like oh well yeah i th- thank you for that i appreciate it and, you know, what, what are you working on? Tell me about what you're doing. And then maybe you can bounce some questions off that person. Mm-hmm. Um, so you said top three. I mean, I think that's like, for me, that's, that's like maybe the biggest, like that might cover all three. I don't know.
1: Yeah, th- this is your segment. If you want to go all in on that one three, that's all, that's, that's all on you. Um, I do think there's so much importance about just reaching out to yourself and putting yourself in a vulnerable situation. Uh, but at the same time, being okay with maybe somebody saying no. Oh, yeah. You I'm have sure to be okay hey, that. Oh, yeah.
0: Hell, yeah. Hell, yeah. Yeah. So y- you have to be like, but you also have to be, you have to, where you have to focus on knowing that you're not going to get a response the first time or two, right? Whatever that might be, whether it's going, like when I was in New Jersey and I cold messaged an executive and in, for, for a physical therapy job, but I didn't talk to him about a job. Here's the thing. I talked to him, I said, and this guy has been in healthcare for 30 years. I talked to him. I asked him a question about healthcare and business, how healthcare is changing and a, a decreasing reimbursements and physical therapy. So I talked to him about something. I asked him a question, but I know no one else asked him that question. Everyone else might cold message him about, can you help me do whatever? So that resulted in me getting a job with him when I, I had no other connections in New York City. So. Talk to someone about something that might bring them value, but also get ready for message number three, four, five, six, not the first one, cause that's easy. And then maybe a follow up, and then that's easy, but then, and then you go away forever. Like you're never going to make it in the world you're never going to make something if you just give up that easy. So you got to f- worry about following up many, many times and that's, what's going to stand out to people. And that's how you and I and your audience, everyone else can, we can expand our networks and kind of grow, and then get outside of our comfort zone, and we need to be comfortable with being uncomfortable. We have to get outside of our comfort zone and doing that.
1: Well, Dave, I couldn't be more thankful for this time that we had, and thank you so much for the information. If people wanted to uh, thank reach you. out to you, no, anytime, if people wanted to reach out to you, people wanted to be a part of your journey, if they wanted to download an initial, or maybe even suggest it to their current provider, their healthcare provider, how would they go about doing all those things?
0: Yeah, so my email is dave at vinitial.com for any any messages there. I'm on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Dave Kittle, Snapchat.com slash Dave Kittle, Instagram.com you slash dave, dave Kittle. Kittle. World, I'm, sure, I'm trying, I'm trying. <laughs> Twitter, I was a little late to the game, so don't even worry about Twitter because it, it, it's, it's plateaued. But, um, um, you know, I'm all, I'm all, I'm all over Facebook, Snapchat and Instagram. I'm trying to put out a lot of videos just with me running around, doing stuff around the city or just any thoughts like today I was talking about branding because a buddy asked about Vinitial, where did that come from? What what did the name come from? And things like that. But yeah, so reach out to me, any social channel or email. Um, and if you're, if you're interested, download the app and just search my name, Dave Kittle, and you can shoot me a message on there and that would be cool. Um, or any you know referrals that would be amazing. But uh, yeah, shoot me a message or hit me up on any of those channels. That'd be awesome.
1: Cool, Dave. Continue success.
0: Thanks a lot, Jonathan. Happy to be here.